0: my wife took off and left the one-year-old in bed and she's in there crying. (laughs) It's going to be a good show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever I have a new idea for an app, one of the first things I do is go find a domain name for it. The company I use and have used for years is Hover.com. Hover.com has a clean and easy-to-use interface. They don't try to upsell me on a bunch of services I don't want or need, and they provide free WHOIS masking for the domains I register. So if I register a domain that's not directly tied to devchat.tv, people don't need to know that I'm the one that owns it. They also offer domains with all kinds of top-level domains like .codes and .computer, and others like .coffee and .pizza. So when you have your next idea strike, go to hover.com slash javascript to get it. Once again, that's Hover.com slash JavaScript. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another JavaScript Jabber show. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight.
1: Hello, from Nashville.
0: Corey House. Hello, from sunny Kansas City. Back by popular demand, Aaron Frost. Hello. We should have you just fill everybody in on what you've been up to lately before we uh, introduce our guest.
2: Oh, so I've been changing jobs. I've been... I mean, it's like a lot of people, just busy, but I, I, I switched from a company called Domo to a company called SaltStack. We're doing a lot of cool stuff, and I I decided I needed to start getting back into into your podcast, so I'm happy that you let me back in.
0: Yep, we're happy to have you. Yeah, I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and I'm just going to quickly plug Angular Remote Conf. If that's your speed, if you're into Angular, go check it out. We're a few weeks ahead, so it might be over by the time this comes out. Um, if not, then it's this week. <laughs> so, anyway, go check it out. We have a special guest this week, and that is John David Dalton.
3: Hi, from Redmond, Washington.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've been on the show before. <laughs> do you want to kind of update people as to who you are and where you're at and what you do?
3: Sure. So, uh, I'm John David Dalton. I am the the last time I was on the show, I think I was probably talking about Lodash. Uh, Lodash is a uh, uh, modular utility library that handles working with arrays, strings, objects. Um, it's, it's heavily used in the Node ecosystem, but also in, in the browser as well. Um, I also work at Microsoft. I'm on the Edge team for the web apps and frameworks. Uh, what I do there is things like ensure JavaScript libraries and frameworks work well in Edge or the Windows platform. Um, I also do a lot of open source work too. And one of those things is the, the thing I'll be talking about today. It's
0: funny. It seems like, uh, at least lately, we've been having a lot of folks on from Microsoft. A lot of interesting stuff going on over there.
3: Yeah, I um, I love it. Uh, what I get to do is is pretty pretty cool. Yeah, you guys just picked up Sean Larkin too, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yes, uh, he's actually on my floor, uh, so that's for, that's super fun. I, uh, I I've already got to to hang out with him just a bit, but I'm looking forward to to working with him too. That's cool. That's that's cool. You guys sit so close. Yeah.
0: So you, so he moved out to Redmond then.
3: Uh yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Uh, yeah. Well, and we've we've also got a regular panelist on on Adventures in Angular, John Papa, who also works over there. So, anyway, right uh, let's let's go ahead and dig into this. Uh, so, ES modules in Node. Now, um, you know, my brain is still trying to wrap around what this is. You kind of want to give us <laughs> the elevator pitch on this.
3: Okay. Okay. Sure. So I was trying to create. I'll just go just like start from the very beginning. So I have Lodash, and Lodash is a utility library, but it's version five. I wanted to adopt ES modules, uh, and ES module syntax without uh, transpiling or shipping two bundles, um, because at the moment uh, I have a, a file size constraint where the 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 Node package is four megabytes on disk, and that's. Because it's a popular dependency, it's the most on, directly dependent on package in Node or in NPM, um, you could have like 30 copies of this, of this dependency in your Node modules folder, uh, which eats up disk space. So um, I didn't want to ship a dual bundle and inflate the size even more. Um, in fact, I'm working to re- reduce the, the uh, uh, Lodash 5 package size from 4 megabytes to 90 kilobytes. And in part, I'm going to be using this loader and so I created a loader for a module loader for Node that allows you to use the ES module syntax of import and export uh, in Node version 4 plus uh, today. It's a a small uh, zero dependency loader um, that you require once and then after that your your import and export just work. Uh, um, That's that's the pitch for it. It it also has extra features though because there is a transition period uh, to the the node way of doing modules and then the node way of doing modules i'm putting like quotes around that um, is a little bit more um, restricted or different than the browser's way of, of specifying es modules uh, in the browser you have a uh, there you go in the browser you have uh, a a a type signal or a parsicle signal Uh, And that is uh, the type attribute equals module. And that tells the browser to treat that code as an ES module instead of a standard script. Um, And no, they don't have that. Um, So what they have instead, uh, they're going to use the file extension uh, to to be that signal. And so if your file is .mjs or modular JavaScript, uh, it will load and treat that as an ES module instead of a, a, a common JS module. Um, and so that's, that's the loader. Uh, it, the, the features it allows you to do, though, is um, by default, uh, you have the .mjs extension, um, but a lot of devs uh, like to use the .js extension. So there's ways to actually enable detecting um, ES module syntax in a .js file uh, and loading that up uh, and having it work uh, just like it was a .mjs file.
2: See, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, "Dude, if that's for real, mm-hmm. then all we're gonna do is end up with everyone naming all their files mjs," mm-hmm. which, in that case, why not just leave it as js? But you're saying <laughs> you've got it. Um, you've got a
3: workaround for that. It, like this, this library you've got makes it so I don't have to do that. Or C- right, correct. So there's a um, there's a single configuration option. I wanted to make. So the reason I chose the name Standard ESM. Uh, and 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 published it on the standard namespace is because I wanted it to be something that devs could reach for uh, easily, and I wanted it to seem almost built-in. Um, so you have that that built-in feel. It's super small. It's it's uh, f- around forty kilobytes, so not bad for being an, a parser and module loader uh, there. Um, and with a single option, you can jump into uh, to using .js. Uh, you can also there's there's a there's a handful of options there too. It it supports gzip modules, which is what gives uh, lodash version five allows it to be 90 kilobytes. Um, there's some options in there for CommonJS compatibility, um, because uh, .mjs uh, when you're when you're doing it the Node way won't have certain environment variables that have existed in CommonJS. Uh, there'll be ways eventually around that with the import.meta uh, object. Uh, to store metadata, but that is still being spec'd out. So it's not quite solid yet um, how that will be tackled. But yeah, with this, uh, a single option allows you to, to use .js or uh, by default, and defaults are important, uh, by default it does follow the node way. So uh, this ESM module loader is the only, uh, the only loader uh, that I know of out right now that actually tries to follow node's planned path for, for ES module support. There's there's rules in there. For example, uh, about global module uh, resolution. Um, There's rules about what file extensions are allowed. Uh, There's rules about um, the search order of module types. So, for example, uh, by nodes rules for ESM, it will search for the .mjs file before the .js file. So, there's all kinds of uh, of rules in place and 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 paths you have to follow to to be. A, a node way kind of loader. And so I'm trying to do that first. Um, I'm actually working with uh, several people um, in uh, node core to, to make sure that the, the project aligns with uh, node um, because it does have a name like standard. It, it would be, it's, it's, it is in its advantage to be spec compliant and follow nodes rules by default. So,
2: I got. I have a big question. I just because I'm just trying to understand exactly uh, what it, w- the benefits. So, let's say I, I go with your your standard module library, and I, I pick the dot mjs file system. I try and you know I let you corral me down like the default path. Mm-hmm. What what are the benefits of using your standard module system over just the default one? Like what do what do I get?
3: So. The the default module system is is CommonJS. Um, and so that is that is Node's old old module format. Um, the new one is trying to align with the module system that the language, uh, JavaScript itself, is providing. So this is the same module system that the browser supports uh, now. Um, most browsers support it either flagged as experimental features or actually shipping in the browsers. I know Safari shipped it. I think Chrome's next version will ship it on flag too. So modules, ES modules, the JavaScript built-in module uh, uh, format is already being shipped in these environments. So this is just Node's way of doing that. So if you like your import, your export, your ES6 plus syntax, uh, you'll be able to do that. If you don't, then you can always continue to use CommonJS. Or you can use a mix of the two. Gotcha. Mm -hmm.
1: So I have a question about something you just said a minute ago uh, and something I'd heard before. So you're saying that with yours, you're, you're uh, spec compliant, whereas with Babel, it's not. Can you point out um, the differences there? Okay.
3: Um, so I I don't think I called out Babel specifically, but um, okay. the, so so Babel, so yes, our loader is more spec compliant in ways than Babel. Um. And that is uh, just because Babel is a, is a, a transpiler to generate source, um, but doesn't have any uh, hooks into the, the runtime. So I can, with our loader, we can follow nodes' behavior of like uh, of things that go beyond just syntax transpilation, like module loading order, um, searching for modules, uh, the, the kinds of things like what environment variables are exposed. Uh, that's something that the ESM loader, can do that that Babel can't do um, Babel is also a full transpiler uh, it transpiles experimental syntax it transpiles a whole bunch of syntax italy i think they even now have typescript support and uh, flow type support and all kinds of stuff um, and it, because of that can be a little heavy uh, uh, the esm loader is just focused on the import export and live binding syntax so it's a lot lighter i mean it's 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 forty kilobytes total compared to megabytes and megabytes and megabytes uh, with Battle.
1: That makes sense.
4: So, John, I was just thinking through how this will play out in the future when mm-hmm. Node has native support for MJS. Right. What would my experience be if I'm a developer that's committed to using um, your your setup here? Mm-hmm. Would that would I basically stay on your setup until? Uh, effectively, the vast majority of developers are using recent versions of Node that have full support for the MJS specification. And then I'd I'd take your – I am almost thinking about what you're describing here as a polyfill. Is that mm-hmm. a fair comparison?
3: So, yeah, it is. It's essentially that. Um, so the, the problem with, with uh, ESM support in Node is that it has to start somewhere. And that means that all versions before that starting point don't support – that syntax. And so unless you're only supporting, uh, in this case, it's going to be Node 10 uh, released in April, 2018. Um, Unless you're only supporting Node 10 plus uh, with your code, um, then you, you won't really be able to use uh, the built-in ESM support uh, without having like a double bundle where you transpile your code back to common JS anyways. So the ESM loader allows you to continue to write as if you were using Node 10, but 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 use Node 4 plus, um, and continue to ship just one version of your code. Uh, whenever you uh, whenever the uh, the old versions of Node drop away, which is officially 2020, uh, when when so at that time, uh, if you wanted to, you could then just drop uh, the standard ESM loader and then change your your basically change your one entry point. Uh, file, um, instead of having to rewrite your code base. It's just, uh, right now the, uh, our loader requires basically the invocation and then loading of your main entry point. And so all you would have to do is, is effectively just delete that, that loader, uh, that, wow well, that two line file, and then, uh, repoint it to the actual entry point it was calling. Um, and that's it.
4: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So, in the meantime, while I'm running this, then is there any performance impact to me having this extra layer in here?
3: So there is always a, a performance impact, um, but in our case, uh, what's what's been interesting is that uh, in my in my benchmarks, Common JS, so the existing module format, tends to be a little faster than the native ES module support. Um, so uh, because the ES module loader is actually common Js under the hood I mean to support node 4 plus it, it's got to be common Js uh, there's right. an opportunity there for uh, the standard ESM loader to improve its performance right now it's it's effectively on par with built-in ESM uh, which is fantastic um, but uh, I like I just released this uh, two weeks ago or so so I'm sure there's places to optimize uh, and, and actually uh, take it to either being uh, being uh, almost faster than than native. I'm pretty sure we can get there. Uh, right now we're dealing with like microsecond differences. Um, so I know there's probably like a cache miss somewhere or something that I can memoize uh, to to push me over over the the edge there and actually achieve better performance. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so I, I really am looking forward to that. I, I can't wait for someone to to pop in with like a simple fix that gives me some wins.
4: Right. So if if we step back slightly, I'm just curious, this strikes me as something that took a lot of thought and a lot of time for you to pull off. Um, I know you're with Microsoft now, is this this sort of the fruits of you working for Microsoft? Are they giving you free
3: time to do this sort of awesome work? So yes, I, I have been working on this there because this is something that impacts the community. I have been able to, uh, as part of my web apps and frameworks uh, title, uh, work on this and and uh, po- uh, polish it for uh, consumption uh, by the community at large. So um, that's why the blog post is is being guest posted on on Microsoft's uh, and and mirrored on the the edge blog there too. Um, so they've been super cool. Uh, About that and and allowing me to work on that. I've also worked with uh, Ben Newman of um, Meteor. Uh, So so the ESM loader is actually a a fork of another project. So just like Lodash was a fork, standard ESM is a fork of another project. And that project was called Reify. And Reify has been using a similar technique uh, for the last 13 months. And they've done that with Tens of thousands of applications. So, they've, th- this is something that has been, uh, that was actually started over a year ago uh, that I jumped onto and, and started to make it more uh, g- generally consumable, like consumer friendly. So, smaller, no dependencies, spec compliant, uh, following the node way by default, improving its performance, and things like that. Interesting.
4: I, I had not heard of Reify. So, I'm just yeah. out here reading about it now that you've mentioned it.
3: Yeah, it's it's that's that's what this this is actually uh, came from. If you go back in in standard ESM's history, commit history, it becomes reify. So I, I basically just just took that, uh, started contributing to reify, starting to started to improve its performance, its parse time, um, add features, uh, and then eventually it was time to shift it over to being its own thing. Because I mean, it, it's got different goals than than reify does. Um, but but Ben is still a contributor. I've actually worked with him on championing language extension proposals for the TC39. So uh, we're trying to get two language extensions passed uh, there. Uh, One is to, uh, they're both for uh, symmetrical import-export syntax. So one is for uh, uh, namespace exports, uh, allowing you to specify them in a way that uh, matches import. And then the other one is trying to find a way to export a default from another module uh, without having to first import it as an identifier. Um, so we're we're still working on those two. But it's been great working with him. Uh, he has taught me so much about parsers and ASTs and all of that stuff. I didn't know any of that going into it. It was super intimidating. It's its own syntax. It's there's I still don't know the rhyme or reason to some things. And I still have to like just inspect the objects and stuff, but he was a super help there he's also uh, very uh, up in the know on on the the new, uh, the ESM spec and all of that stuff so i mean he's, i couldn't have done it without him uh, or the, or the the project itself uh, so yeah big
4: props so john can you clarify then reify and your uh, ESM project are solving the same problem i'm unclear so is but you said that they had diverged, but I'm still unclear w- why I would choose yours over
3: Reify. Okay, so Reify is, is made to use uh, ES6 syntax in Node, um, but it doesn't necessarily follow Node's plan support path. Um, so, for example, uh, with, with standard ESM, if you're in a, a MJS file, uh, we don't expose things like the module object, the require function, the exports object. Uh, the default binding is of the this is undefined. So we align closer to what node will actually be. Um, and Reify just allows you to have that syntax, but it still leaves in a lot of the common JS stuff there. It actually leaves in and exposes its API for doing that. So you can tie into uh, the the... API that is actually being transpiled to. So it's got like a module.import that you can call and some other things. Um and and uh standard ESM tries to 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 hide all of that so you don't see the actual implementation detail and it aligns closer to to nodes plan support. Uh, okay. standard standard uh reify is something that's that's baked into uh Meteor as well, so it tends to follow Meteor support path. Um, And for me, that meant that uh, it had to support uh, something like phantom.js level of of JavaScript in certain files, Mm -hmm. which was a bummer because that's Safari uh, 5 from 2010. uh, So I couldn't use certain syntaxes, and um, uh, that was not a a nice restriction. Um, But but yeah, (laughs) yeah. Our our projects are similar but different uh, in that that respect. Mine is is uh, the standard ESM is more uh, more following closer to to what Node's support path is going to be.
4: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I'm I'm looking. I mean, reify was created back well before we had any real idea how Node was going to handle modules. So correct that was yeah. that's why it's designed the way it is. Whereas now you you wrote yours with that. Uh, gift of knowledge of of the now standard and wrote it accordingly so that yeah that helps because really you're in a situation then like you said if you choose to use esm here at some point a few years in the future you can take it out and your app will just continue to work because you no longer need the the polyfill for this behavior
3: yeah also also reify supports something some experimental syntax that i I was uh that I, i i did not want to ship on by default it supports nested imports um which is uh, something that Ben was trying to champion, uh, champion as, a, as a syntax proposal. But that's a pretty big experimental feature to have on by default and still call the library like standard ESM. So I, by forking, I was able to remove some of the experimental on by default stuff and hide away the implementation detail. Um, I can geek out on that too. Like, you, there's, There should be no way for you to actually find the so, – Behind the scenes, what, what standard ESM is doing is it's doing a quick in-place transpilation of your file to inline uh, library calls to do things like import, export, uh, to preserve live bindings. But those, that library itself is hidden away to where you can't access it. And what I do there is I assign it a new variable name every time you save the file. <laughs> so So you can't you can't get it, because if you try to find it and you try to access it, then you save your file, then that variable name changes. So it's completely (laughs) hidden away away from
4: Very sneaky, I like it. Yeah.
3: The variable name itself actually has a zero-width joiner in it too, so it makes it super hard to type. So the whole idea is that you're not supposed to be able to see the implementation detail. It's not supposed Mm -hmm. to leak into your environment. So to you, it just looks like built-in.
0: This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you and we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in north america europe asia and australia open to relocation let them know your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance and if you go check them out at the show's link that's hire.com slash javascript jabber you can get double the hiring bonus that they offer that's $600 instead of $300 so go check them out at hire.com slash javascript jabber today so one thing that I'm wondering about, uh, you mentioned that you were pulling this together so that you could make the package size smaller for uh, Lodash. And I'm curious, how, how does this actually help with that?
3: So one of the experimental features I have is uh, for GZIP support. Um, uh, so, so Node has a module called Zlib. It's built in. And that built-in module allows you to load and, and inflate Gzipped files. So what the ES... Uh, what the standard ESM loader allows you to do is with an option called GZ, if you turn that on to true, then it will start to recognize .js.gz files and .mjs.gz files. So just like in, in the web page or on the web where you can load gzipped resources, you can now load gzipped resources as uh, part of your node package.
0: Well, that's cool.
3: Right, and so if you, if you look at... Uh, the actual source code for standard ESM. So if you download the package and open it in your Node modules folder, you'll see that the ESM.js is actually ESM.js.gz. It's a gzipped file, uh, which is 40 kilobytes. Uh, so that's actually what's being loaded is that that uh, that gzipped file. Um, and so uh, for Lodash, what I will do is take its 400 plus or 600 plus modules. It's one of those. It's it's a ton of modules. Uh, GZIP them. Um, and then uh, when you request them, because normally people's uh, Lodash usage tends to be five or six modules. Um, so of those, that 400 plus modules, you'll load five or six and, and it will load them and inflate them on the fly for you. Um, and uh, the, the cost of inflation of a GZIP file is pretty cheap, especially when you're considering something like Lodash, which has a lot more modules than are actually used. Okay, so I'm still
4: trying to understand the benefits of Gzip when it comes sure. to Node usage, because Gzip makes tons of sense to me on mm-hmm. the web, where I'm worried about saving bandwidth. But when it okay. comes to Node, are you really just worried about saving disk
3: space? Mm-hmm. So in this case, it's it, there's there is uh, so. Node is used in a lot of places. And one of those places are things like AWS Lambdas and Azure Functions. So you have these serverless environments that are not, that have smaller disk space quotas. So I think AWS is like 300 megabytes. which can get eaten up pretty quickly with a node modules folder, uh, especially if you have three or four copies of Lodash in there at four megabytes a pop or 4.5 megabytes a pop. Um, you it starts to limit what you can do with those services. Um, so being able to have uh, a reduced package size for your node modules environment is is a win there. So it, while you may have like 500 gigabyte hard drives, there's environments that are are re, are uh, Space limited. I was just wondering. I, I'm imagining you're
2: having a lot of conversations these days with um, people in the community that are either your friends or people who who um, who you trust. What are what's what's kind of the general feedback you're getting from folks on on this uh, standard ESM
3: library? Okay, so uh, I was actually super surprised. Uh, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Usually, there's a counter blog post out by now on anything that's released, right? Uh, about, so true. <laughs> about why something is hazardous, um, uh, and I I was surprised. Like this has been my most popular tweet. It's the blog post has gotten a ton of views. Uh, it's overwhelmingly positive feedback. Uh, the one negative that I'm working on, and that has been reported, is that uh, to make to make this loader work, it's tying into a lot of pseudo private. Uh, methods of Node, so to make the magic happen, it's got to touch things that are not not properly exposed, so not officially exposed APIs. Uh, but so here's the the but you're I just have... like a wizard, and you just know they exist somehow. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: this was kind of my question that I so posted the, the, in the chat. The
3: problem with uh, doing that is that there's no guaranteed support from Node on those APIs. Um, So they they can and have changed from version to version of Node. Now, the ESM loader works in version 4 through 9 nightly. So, I mean, there's several versions that it currently works in. But the concern is that what about 9.2 or 10 or 11, right? Um, So I've been working with Node Core to uh, significantly reduce the use of internal APIs. And so the next version release of the standard ESM loader will have most of them pulled out uh, so that it's no longer tying into a global hook. Um, for its common case, it's reduced, uh, it's reduced almost all of its internal API calls to, to nothing or uh, to supplemental bonus functionality that is guarded with try-catch and sniffs and all of that stuff to help reduce the concern there. So that's, that's been the main concern, is that it's it's magic, um, and so the cost of that is internal API calls. And so now the effort is, is working with Node and Node uh, uh, core members to remove those API calls. So it's something that Node doesn't have to support, uh, and something that makes the ESM loader a little bit more robust and resilient uh, to changes. So that means that uh, it makes it better for people to rely on. So it's gonna be a win. Um right now, I'm working on that. So that'll be out probably uh, sometime this week. I'll do a version update. Um, and then uh, things will just get better from there. So uh, whenever I release something or whenever anyone releases something, uh, usually you that's when you get like if if people are paying attention, which is a good thing uh, and you're releasing software, then a lot of times you'll get just a ton of bugs. And so right now we're kind of in that that ton of bug phase where this thing has now been released, people are starting to use it and hammer on it. Um, and so I've been doing bug, bug fixes and patch releases uh, there. So over the next you know uh, month or so, I suspect uh, uh, standard ESM will just continue to get stronger and better and more reliable uh, and, and more resilient to things like uh, pseudo private uh, uh, internal API use. So yeah. That's, that was the main concern, but I think I found a way to avoid the problem there. So uh, other than that, I haven't had any other main concerns there. I've, I've tried to work with – so I didn't develop this, this loader in a vacuum. I've tried to work with uh, people at Node, um, people in the community. So there's a strong portion of the community that um, – that is, does not has, that has a, a very negative field for it, the, the .mjs file extension. So I've worked to, to make sure that they have an option, that, that Node is happy because it follows Node's path, that standards folks are happy because it's following uh, the, the, the TC39 spec uh, ESM rules, um, that it doesn't step on tooling of, of Webpack, that Babel folks are happy, that uh, that npm uh, folks get the heads up about this thing too. So like it requires just working with with lots and lots of people uh, to try to make sure that uh, this thing doesn't cause problems. Um, because I, I I want to use it uh, and then also use it for lodash. And since lodash touches so many packages, it touches over a, a over a hundred and fifty thousand packages. Um, oh, wow! In, in some way, um, so. If lodash takes a dependency on something, uh, it's got to it's got to be stable, and it's got to be something that's not going to cause the ecosystem problems. And so that's why a lot of work has been put into standard ESM to make sure that it's not going to step on toes. Uh, r- right now, it's a it's a module loader, uh, which means it does have to touch at the moment uh, one global one global API. Um, but I've worked to ensure that you can actually support versioning there that. Only packages that opt in to the ESM loader get ESM support. So it's not going to be something like, remember there's a, there was that package for coloring your console that, that manipulated the string dot prototype uh, and caused problems with uh, node packages. Um, I've tried to make sure that ESM doesn't do something like that, that it only, it only uh, affects packages that opt into it that, that take standard ESM as a dependency, a peer dependency, uh, or an optional dependency. Um, And so the work with Node right now to remove reliance on internal APIs is actually going to help that too.
0: One thing that I'm I'm wondering about this, though, is so you can package your stuff up with gzip and, you know, that's all cool, but doesn't it ship everything when you NPM install? So aren't you going to essentially get two versions unless you're using the ESM loader and you know it?
3: So what the... The gzip support for that—it's that's going to ship the gzipped file and then inflate it at runtime
0: uh-huh.
3: uh, for you. Um, so it's not two versions there. It's just going to inflate it uh, at runtime and then. So you're you're going to have a a a inflation cost there. It's minimal in most cases. Um, and many times, sometimes the I, the actual I/O of a larger file is more than the cost of inflating the smaller file. That's been gzipped.
0: No, I, um, I, I was asking something else. So oh, okay. when I do an npm install, it pulls the JavaScript file or files down to my computer. Correct. So uh, for a while, are we going to be in this limbo where it's pulling down the uninflated and the inflated file, or the the gzipped file and the regular file? Or is no. there going to be some flag in npm that says, "Hey, I'm using ESM loader. Can I please just get the gzip?"
3: Well, the ESM loader would be your uh, your dependency, so it would be, it would come down with your package as a as a dependency, uh-huh. um, and then and then it, you would use that to actually process and load the file of the gzipped file. So you don't have to ship both the gzipped and the non-gzipped. If you're using standard ESM, it'll be a dependency, and then you can just uh, load that as part of your package. What's nice is that because standard ESM is, is a loader for your package your consumer doesn't have to know about it. It doesn't know that. Oh, okay. it's actually Yeah, you're, you're cons- the consumer of your package doesn't even know that it's not consuming CommonJS. To it, it doesn't know that what you've written is ES6 and that there's a loader that is handling that and, and handing it off and, uh, CommonJS in between. So your consumer doesn't have to know about the standard ESM thing. To them, it's, it's an implementation detail um, that has no bearing on their usage.
0: Gotcha. That that was the part that I was trying to figure out.
2: Ah, so like, so we'll use ESM, the ESM loader for our stuff, but I'm not going to get the benefit of having a small lodash download until lodash starts using it, right? Correct. And, and that mm-hmm. transitively down my dependency tree, I need everybody to start using it before I start seeing the npm install speed up at all. That's it. I, if, if that's what you're saying, right?
3: For for the smaller bundle size or for the smaller yeah. on-disk size, yes, you'll yeah. we'll need to to use that. There's also – so I, I have the standard namespace for uh, NPM packages. I, I, I plan on releasing just a standard GZIP uh, module. So in case you don't want the whole ES6, ES module thing, uh, you can just get the GZIP component uh, and enable that. I haven't uh, published that yet, but that's the plan is to just abst- – uh, Extract that from the ESM loader, make it its own package, uh, and then you can use that. But for Lodash five, uh, whenever uh, that is is released and and adopts it, uh, that should affect a significant portion of the ecosystem right off the bat. Uh, there, so everyone's Node modules folder will get pretty will get pretty small. Uh, we'll get smaller. Sorry, not pretty small. We'll get smaller uh, because of that. So yeah, the the more people that use it, the smaller uh, Node modules will be. So I've been thinking
4: through the implications of this for tree shaking. Um, are, are there any, uh, if I end up publishing my library using this,
3: um, how it, does that impact the story at all? No, it shouldn't. Um, because, uh, because your source code is still ES six. Uh, okay. So first of all, some, a listener may be like, well, it's not called ES six anymore. It's called ES 2015 plus whatever. Uh, what, it's easier for me to say ES6. So, uh, for your ES6 code, uh, Webpack or Babel or uh, whatever you're using, or um, what's the, there's another, there's a Webpack alternative, but whatever. The, that, roll, roll up? Yeah, yeah, roll up. If you're, whatever your bundler is, uh, uh, and your, your – your, the tools you use for tree shaking will still continue to work because it's just ES6 source code. Um, so it doesn't see the whole loader thing at all. It doesn't need to be concerned with that. So roll should continue to work. Webpack 3 should continue to work. Uh, you shouldn't have problems there. Great news. Yeah. yeah. With the, the, the patch to reduce internal API calls, I should have even better support for things like Babel Register. Um, right now, Babel Register works uh, partly. I need to, to actually patch Babel Register to play nicer with other loaders. Uh, so there is actually other loaders out there. Babel Register is one of them. Um, Babel Register is, is usually a dev dependency, though. It's for you to, to load like your unit test files and have it transpile on the fly. Um, but it, it taps into a similar module hook. Um, and at the moment, it assumes it's the only module hook. So it doesn't, it doesn't like hand off to a subsequent loader or go back through and try to see if there's a, a loader before it. Uh, ESM tries to do that and tries to pass off to other loaders uh, if it, if it uh, can. So it'll try to pass it through um, and get picked up by other things. Um, So I'm working with them to make sure that that works. Um, I've also worked with Webpack uh, to support things like GZIP. So I added the GZIP loader to Webpack uh, there. So if you are planning on doing that, uh, you'll be able to actually bundle your GZIP files with uh, with Webpack, too. Um, So there's a link to that loader uh, in the readme of mentioning the GZIP support there.
4: So, John, here's an odd one. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking through: are, are we in a situation now then where everyone should be using ES modules when they're working in Node, or who would you say, "Hey, stay away from this. This isn't for you"?
3: I honestly, I love ES modules, so I mean, I would, I'm for it. Um, I think that the the more people hammering on this, the better. Uh, what's nice is that since it is such a, a thin piece, you don't have to worry about um, a ton of transpilation cost, a ton of build time cost. Node 7 Plus supports 99% of ES6 Plus. So really the, the main missing piece there is just the import-export live-binding bit, uh, which is all this provides. Um, so for me, it, it feels natural. I, I've already gotten used to writing import-export, um, uh, so I, I like it. Um, I, I tend to be one that uh, favors uh, the unambiguous grammar uh, so, uh, uh, option, so basically the, the one that... Uh, allows .js uh, in there. Um, but, I mean, whatever, if you like MJS, uh, that's the default. You can totally use that if you like .js. Or you can even specify that all files in your package are ESM or ES modules. And so it doesn't, doesn't key off anything. It just assumes everything is. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 would, I would say, like, um, I don't know, if you, if you don't like new language features, <laughs> maybe maybe ESM isn't for you. Um but for everyone else, I would say, yeah, give it a try. Especially okay, since it's yeah. node four plus.
4: Well, I mean, I'm thinking of a number of libraries that I've seen that will have both an ES5 and an ES6 build. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like given what you have here, that idea no longer makes sense. Would you agree? It just makes sense to go ahead and have an yes modules build and use uh yeah, use this. For,
3: well, for for dev sorry, for um, for Node specifically, yes. Um, if you're developing something that wants to be run in, in an older browser um, that is using something like a, uh, a UMD kind of wrapper around your module, then maybe you don't want to do that. Um, just because import-export will only work in the, the newest browsers, right? Um, but if you're developing something just for Node, uh, then... Uh, Having import export is is great, and you don't have to worry about having that fallback. You don't have to worry about having the ES5 version of your node package uh, there, or doubling the size of your node package by having both sources in your node package. A lot of a lot of packages have like the the module field where that says like, hey, if you support ESM, use the module field. If not, exactly. Then- then use the, the the main field and load the other one. And w- and with uh, standard ESM loader, you don't have to do that. You don't have to inflate the size of your package. You can just ship one code, and it's the same code is run on all node versions. That's something that is is not the the not can't be said for the other approach, which is basically. Uh, the tools that support it get one code path and the tools that don't get another code path. And with standard ESM, it's all run, it's all running the exact same code in every environment.
4: I don't think I read that sales pitch on your README. You should add that. That's an important one.
3: <laughs> I know. Uh, so I will accept pull requests. Uh, if you want to add that bit to the README, please do. I I'm pretty lousy with promotion, so like, <laughs> if, if you can help, that would be great. I, w- I will accept pull requests for that.
4: Lousy with promotion? You must be a
3: developer. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, one other question that I had was, why Node 4, why not Node 6, or you know something a little bit more?
3: Uh, it's because that's what's currently LTS at the moment. Okay. So I, I wanted to support the bare minimum supported version of Node, um, that was officially supported. I also try to pull people up out of the ancient unsupported versions of Node. so that's why I didn't say like support 0.10. Um, okay. I could uh, reify before I started contributing to it. Supported 0.8, um, and I said no. Let's let's push that up a bit to Node 4, um, and so that's why ESM loader supports Node 4 plus. Is I, I purposely pulled up the support bar uh, to that. I would actually love to support just Node 7 um, because Node seven something has async functions and those are magic and amazing. And I want to forget about all versions of Node before that.
0: All right. Any other questions that we should have asked or that we want to ask before we go to picks?
2: I just want to say uh, thanks for working so hard. This sounds like not a small effort and I you've been talk you talked to me about this like several months ago and so I know you've been working on it for a while and it sounds grueling and intense to get all the the cats herded together and um agreeing on what this should look like so just um my hat's off to you man tip of the hat
3: for for getting this far Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been quite a, a while in the works. I went back and read some some uh, uh, discussions from back in March. Um, so it's been it's been a while. Uh everyone like Ben has been working on this since uh, June or May of 2016. So this is something that's been in the works for quite a while.
0: Nice. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Do you need a Linux server for your latest creation? Then check them out. They provide SSDs, 40 gigabit per second network connections, and top-of-the-line hardware to run your server on. It deploys Linux in seconds from the Linode cloud, and you can choose your Linux distro and node location right from the manager. They have locations in Asia, North America, and Europe, and they have a sweet set of tools to make it easy to manage it. If the web interface isn't your thing, they also have an API and a command line. So definitely go check them out. They also provide two-factor authentication, IPv6, DNS manager, cloning, scaling, and everything else that you want. So definitely get the most out of your Linux node and check them out at linode.com. And check them out at devchat.tv slash linode. Corey, do you want to start us off with picks?
4: Sure thing, Uh, I have two picks. Uh, My first pick was a post I came across on Medium uh, about trending developer skills where they looked at uh, the technologies that Hacker News uh, has found different uh, startups are using. I found it very interesting. You can see uh, some uh, unsurprising trends like React is quite popular and JavaScript is quite popular. AWS is big, but a lot of other interesting stats in there. If you're interested in seeing what to learn next, I'll uh, share that in the show notes. And then uh, my other pick is a book that I started reading last week that I'm really enjoying uh, by Jez Humble and a number of other uh, DevOps uh, thought leaders called the DevOps Handbook. Uh, I've only read about a quarter of it so far, but I, I really am enjoying how it's put together. If you're wanting to, uh, a rather uh, concise read on DevOps and the ways to uh, improve your processes there, I'd highly recommend uh, what I've read so far. So those are my two. All
0: right, Amy, what are your picks?
1: let's see so the first one i'm going to pick november again they announced two more keynotes so Lori voss from npm uh kim creighton uh myself and uh ben i'm horrible at pronouncing his last name so i think it's like a, a leg badu or something uh anyways uh, <laughs> i really feel bad that i can't pronounce that correctly i'll have to figure that out um so that's gonna be my first pick and the second congratulations pitch, ahead- amy <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, th- those are the keynotes. Are I think they're accepting uh, submissions for talks till the thirty first. So depending on when this comes out, you might still have time. Um, and then I'm gonna pick your blog post, uh, the ES modules and Node today because it was pretty good. Uh, so if people want more information on this, they should check out that blog post. And then so. I was, you know, I usually use Medium to uh, look at developer posts, but I got a little scroll happy the other day and uh, this one was trending and I shared it around with um, a bunch of my friends. And uh, I can't say enough good things if there are any uh, single people. Uh, who are dating uh, to check out this uh, medium story, but it's called uh, Dating is Dead. (laughs) Anyways, but uh, if you're single and going through all this, like this blog post is excellent. Uh, It's by somebody uh, called the Angry Therapist. And it just had, uh, (laughs) I don't know, it'll make you feel good about the environment that you're in. So that's going to be my non-programming pick. And that's it for me. I'm
4: relieved that I'm married.
1: <laughs> it's so bad. Same here. It's so bad. <laughs> so, if you are, this post will make you feel so much better.
0: <laughs> That's right. Some of us are just lucky. Uh Aaron, <laughs> what are, what, are, what are your picks? Okay,
2: I got four picks. I figured I'd come with some good ones for you. So, anyone who knows me knows that my favorite book is Ready Player 1. And uh this last week there's like an 18-minute breakdown of the new trailer that just came out, and it exposes all the different Easter eggs. It talks about the music and, and, and everything that went into just a few minutes of the trailer. Anyway, it's like an 18-minute nerd fest for Ready Player One Heads, and um, so I'm going to pick that. Uh, They're making also, it into a movie? Oh, yeah. It comes out in March. It's going to be epic. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Um, next pick. So life's been, life's been tough uh, lately in the USA, and there's a show that I've been watching. It's called The Jim Jeffries Show. It's kind of like my fill-in for The Jon Stewart Daily Show now that Jon Stewart's not here. So I'm going to pick The Jim Jeffries Show. Everyone who needs a relief valve from just life in the, in the U.S. news should go watch it. Um, I read a really good book. I couldn't stop reading it, and it had me on one page, I'd be laughing, and on the next page, I'd be crying. And it was Kevin Hart's um, I Can't Make This Up book. Um, it's on Audible as well, and he actually narrates it on Audible, and it's a fantastic, fantastic read for anyone who's looking for a good book right now. Um, and then my last pick is um, I Need I need Some Team Members to Come Work With Me uh, here at SaltStack. We're doing a lot of fun stuff with Angular. We're doing a lot of fun stuff with RxJS. And um, we're growing fast. And and I'm looking for a few senior engineers to to come work with me. So that's my last pick.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. Mine are much less code related. But uh, nevertheless, I will pick them. The first one is I'm just going to remind everybody about Angular Dev Summit. AngularDevSummit.com. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's free. I also picked up a new tool and I'm kind of liking it and it's just for keeping track of relationships with people and it's, it's Zoho CRM. And so it, and it's free as well. Um, but it's nice cause I can keep track of different people that we've had on the shows as well as, you know, relationships with sponsors and things like that. And so it's, it's been working out pretty nicely. I'm still settling into it. So I don't know if this is a permanent thing or if it's just kind of got you know, I'm enjoying popping the bubble wrap is what I say when I'm still testing out a tool and I'm kind of (coughs) got happy feels about it. So anyway, but yeah, digging that. And then one other thing, so yesterday and today I've been just spending a few hours here and there working on um, our old van. We have a a Dodge Grand Caravan that's been sitting in our driveway for about a year um, since we got a new vehicle and I decided I needed to fix it and sell it. (laughs) And so... I've, you know, I've just been working on that, trying to get it to run and I'm almost done. But anyway, it's just kind of nice to get out and do something with your hands that's not typing on the keyboard and staring at a screen. And so uh, I just encourage everybody to, you know, go find something real, physical to do. And uh, yeah, anyway, so yeah, those are, those are my picks. John, what are your picks?
3: Cool. Um, I am picking for my first pick. I have two, Uh, a a TC39 proposal for optional chaining. So if you're familiar with the the CoffeeScript uh, existential operator, uh, this allows you to uh, do dot .syntax, so A, .B, .C, uh, property lookup, but with like a question mark or a question mark dot, be allowed to uh, check for properties that may or may not exist. So uh, Lodash has a function called git, where you can do that. Uh, this is a syntax form of that to oh, allow for easier property access. That's Lando. awesome. That's I awesome. love it. It's great. It's in the proposal. Uh, I would say uh, if you can contribute to it, uh, read over the docs for it, um, help with uh, help to flesh it out and come up with examples. Uh, the spec is available on the TC39 uh, GitHub uh, repo. Uh, so uh, uh, there's a link there for it. Um, and then the second pick I have is uh, a friend of mine, Andy Pavia, is uh, has a a, a, a company uh, that released a, a product called Toybox. Um, this is a, a easy to use 3D printer and it's for kids. Uh, so you.make.toys. Um What's cool is that, uh, so they're they're crowdfunding right now, but uh, the back-end tech for this is using Meteor. Uh, And they're using ES modules for it. So the whole Reify ES module syntax thing flows right in uh, with that too. So you.make.toys and uh, check that out.
0: I want one and not for my kids.
3: Yeah, Yeah, no, this, that I instantly, I've seen a couple of prototypes of it. uh, And it reminds me of like when I was little playing with like the Erector sets uh, and all of that stuff. So it's super cool.
0: Awesome. If people want to keep tabs on what you're doing or, you know, read your blog posts or whatever it is that you do these days to let people know what's going on, where should they go?
3: Uh, they should go to twitter.com slash dalton. Uh, I tweet um, primarily about tech, also about Boston Terriers and dogs. Uh, so it's a good mix.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we will go ahead and wrap this one up. Thanks for coming, John.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: We will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot to learn more.